everybody. It's Friday, and uh, that means it's time for a recap of Raleigh with our uh, favorite Raleigh resident. That is uh, the vice pre- senior vice president, the John Locke Foundation. Becky Gray, welcome back. How are you, Becky? Thank you. I'm doing great. Happy Friday. Yes, it's uh, half the battle. So um, I just saw the governor signed a couple of bills into law. Uh, I think we've actually talked about at least one of these in the past, which was the... Uh, Regulatory Sandbox Act, which the like ha- the second half of that title sounds pretty exciting. The first half, not so much. So what uh, what exactly is this thing? Yeah, this provides a sandbox, if you will, for some industries. Now, this is um, really for IT and some financial industries to play in the sandbox without the burdens of regulation. So it lifts, not all, but some of the regulation that apply to those to allow folks to go in, invest their money, get businesses off the ground without the oppressive regulations being in place. Um, This is a great bill. It's a great idea. Other states have done it. North Carolina now is opening things up for entrepreneurs and for people who want to invest money. My only complaint with it is it doesn't apply across the board. Um, you know, I think it should apply to the energy industry. I mm. think there are certainly some medical fields in there that something like that would certainly apply. Um, but it's a great first start, and we were delighted to see that the governor signed that bill today. It will go into effect. And I think, you know, we're, we're going to see just some new innovation and new entrepreneurial activity in North Carolina, which is always a good thing. Yeah. Um, was there any kind of organized opposition to this thing? I wasn't aware of any. Yeah, not not one that I was aware of. I mean, there, you know, as always, what you want is a lot of debate and a lot of concerns. You know, a lot of times you put these guardrails in place. And when you're talking about removing regulation, you want to make sure that you're not removing regulation that might have some threat to public health or have adverse un- unintended consequences. So it wasn't as much, I didn't notice a lot of opposition. It was just more you know, hey, have we thought about this? People in the industry saying these are the regulations that would make the most difference to get out of the way. So it was more just kind of working through what some of the consequences might be and making sure that everything was in place so that it could work as it was intended. Yeah. Uh, another Which one that's always a good thing. Right. Yes. Uh, although it is government, so rarely does that occur. So, um, <laughs> The No Patient Left Alone Act, this one, um, there were some people that did a lot of heavy lifting after loved ones of theirs died during the pandemic, and they were not allowed uh, to be with their loved ones, right, uh, in their final moments. And so now what this, uh, the governor signed this one into law that allows people the ability to, to be with their loved ones. Yeah, and this is one of those, you know, Pete, we've heard these heartbreaking stories throughout the pandemic of people who are are literally dying alone and, you know, just the heartbreaking stories from the families. And, you know, you can imagine what that must be like for someone that's facing a a fatal illness and to have that hopelessness and not even be able to have a loved one there with them. So this was one, you know, it it was one of those that just brought tears to your eyes as it worked its way through the general assembly, hearing the stories of why this was needed and, again, just very happy that that was signed into law. That bill came over to the governor's office. I want to say it had unanimous support. If not unanimous, it was just about unanimous support. I think everybody agreed on that, and I'm delighted to see that the governor has signed that into place. 
And, you know, hopefully as this pandemic lifts, we're not going to see all of the restrictions in the hospitals and the hospices and the places where people are very sick. Hopefully we're going to see some of that lift. But this bill just ensures that it does exactly what the, does exactly what the bill title says. It ensures that no patient is left alone. Should give props to uh, Senator Warren Daniel. I think he was uh, one of the uh, the folks who pushed this one uh, heavily. Um, a lot of uh, there were a lot of uh, allies to get it done, but uh, it, yeah, it's just it. It's one of those things. Like I understand why they why they did what they did, but I disagreed with it. And especially if people were like, "Look, I want to go in there and I want to be with you know my you know hu- husband or wife of sixty years. I don't care what the risk to me is." They should be able to make that decision for themselves, which is why, like, I come, you know, I come down on, like, the right to try at the national level where people wanted the ability to try experimental treatments. Like, it's your life. You should be able to try uh, these things and to, you know, to make these decisions for yourself. Exactly. And, you know, some of the concerns that we heard as this bill worked its way through was, you know, the spread of COVID or the spread of a disease. And realistically, what you have, all all these people wanted, they wanted to be able to walk into the hospital directly to the room where their loved one was spend some time with them. You know, these aren't people that are going to roam around the hospital or, you know, poke their heads in other people's rooms and and that kind of thing. It was just, it's one of those that is no-brainer doesn't really even describe it. It's just, you know, this is a compassionate thing that we should have been doing all along anyway. This law just puts it into place. Yeah, we also saw, I mean, there's nothing on the budget yet. I hear, you know, they're still talking. I had the uh, Speaker of the House uh, earlier in the week say they're still talking, still negotiating. So nothing really new there, but... Uh, there was a a big bill signing. Everybody was all smiles and applause over the energy bill. Um, and so I see there are people in North Carolina political circles that are all kind of uh, crossing their fingers like, oh, maybe this is a sign of, you know, a, a deal on the budget that's to come. What do you think? Well, I, I think it was more an illustration of, hey, this can happen where everybody comes on board and signs has North Carolina's best interest in place and can reach a compromise that everyone is, if, if not at least happy with, something that everyone can live with. And so I think, too, Peter, this thing is dragged on. You know, North Carolina's fiscal year ended on June 30th, and here we are, what, mid-October. So I think as this thing drags on, everybody's looking for any kind of sign that, you know, there may be hope at the at the end of the tunnel and that they can come together. And it was rather refreshing to see Republicans, Democrats, big group with the governor at the mansion signing this energy bill into place. This is one of those bills, too. It wasn't perfect. Um, energy, uh, Pete, I think we've talked about this mm-hmm. while the bill was moving through. Energy policy is so complex and so convoluted and it's so highly regulated that, you know, to find a solution, there is not a free market solution that I think you and I would propose because of all of these other factors. But if you can get close to that, if you can can look at, for the energy sources, the least cost most reliable to drive the standard of what kind of energy you're going to go after, I think, that, I think that's a win. I think it's good for North Carolina. And um, so, again, that was a, a big compromise bill. Um, the governor and the General Assembly worked closely together to get that done. And so, yeah, it was very refreshing to see see those. I was not at the bill signing, but it was certainly refreshing to see those pictures of yeah. 
you know, they, they can smile at each other and they, they can at least get, you know, gather around the steps in some sort of unity. Yeah. I did not see Mark Robinson in the picture, though. I don't, I'm not sure if he was there or not. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think he was. But, you know, in, in all fairness, um, you know, this was not an issue that Mark Robinson has engaged in right. in his role of lieutenant governor. You know, he sits on the State Board of Education. He sits on the Board of Community Colleges. You know, he has other responsibilities. Um, I, I don't I don't know that the lieutenant governor weighed in on the energy bill, was involved in any of the negotiations, but, you know, he, he, he there's no reason for him to. Right. So, yeah, so I, I didn't read anything. No, I didn't that. either. I just noticed, like, everybody was smiling and clapping, but he was not there, so... I'm not sure if the photo would have been different if he was, so I don't know. Uh, all right, we're going to let you run. That's Becky Gray, Senior Vice President at the John Locke Foundation. You can read uh, her work and her colleagues' work at carolinajournal.com. Thanks, Becky. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Pete. Have a great weekend yourself.